Next on ReachMD, Voices from American Medicine, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from physicians currently in practice in the front lines of healthcare. Now here is the host of Voices from American Medicine, Gary Epstein. Nephrologist Anthony Andy Blaylock has taken an active role in planning for medical emergencies in his home state of Louisiana. One concrete outcome, the establishment of Louisiana emergency medical units that were implemented after Hurricanes Katrina and Rita. Dr. Blaylock, also a liaison to the medical staff and leader directing hospital quality of Our Lady of Lourdes Regional Medical Center, has been involved with organized medicine since his early career, and he's about to become the youngest physician to serve as president of the Louisiana State Medical Society. Dr. Blaylock, welcome to Voices from American Medicine. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to join you today. Louisiana has certainly had more than its fair share of medical crises over the past few years. What has the state medical system learned from all of these experiences? There were a lot of takeaways, and you're right. Louisiana, we feel like we've had more than our fair share of real-world experience on this. One of the things that came out of the hurricanes after Katrina and Rita was a recognition by the medical society that they needed to take an active role in helping community physicians plan and prepare for their role after a disaster of some kind. And so on the medical society front, we helped create a document in partnership with LSU to walk communities through, walk physicians through some best practices on that. And one of the things that we developed locally was really from a recognition that we did not want to throw together a medical clinic like we had to do here in Lafayette, Louisiana, after Katrina and Rita. And we threw together this clinic really from the good graces of the physicians in the community and treated thousands of patients within a 30-day period in a shelter that held 17,000 for almost 60 days. What we developed out of that was a concept called Louisiana Emergency Medical Unit, which is a first-of-its-kind mobile medical delivery system that is designed to go to the medical front lines and take care of kind of the gray area. Most places are set up to either be a standing hospital that doesn't close or a mobile, what they call DMAT. It's a federal program of basically being a mobile hospital. Well, what happens is in in the disaster we recognize is that many people don't actually need a hospital. They may be a diabetic who simply had to leave too quickly to get their insulin or they just need another refill on their blood pressure medicine. They need simple suturing, things of that nature, kind of a walk-in clinic type status. So we developed these clinics that were subsequently deployed in Gustav and Ike and kind of got their proof of concept at that point where we can treat up to a thousand people a day in these trailers that are completely standalone systems that can operate for several days without any intervention or backup support. Did the Louisiana emergency medical units actually perform as you expected them to and should that be replicated? To answer the first one, as far as whether or not they're performing as expected, we actually found out they performed in many ways much better than could be expected. We had high hopes and designs for these programs and the way that they're designed with oil field equipment and using rhino lining type material, they can be disinfected every 8 to 12 hours in the field so they can operate independent of a hospital, independent of an ambulance unit. 
So we've been very, very pleased with their performance, and we believe that this is a potential blueprint for the rest of the country. Quite honestly, uh, we were a bit naive when we started this project. We thought that certainly other places, Florida or Texas or California, New York, would have developed systems like this that we could have just replicated. And, and in what we were able to find, this disaster-type system does not exist anywhere in the world at this point. So we think this is really a potential chink in the armor that could be filled by this system to help people that just need basic, high-level and beyond first aid, walk-in clinic, urgent care clinic type medical attention after a disaster and let the emergency rooms or the DMAT units do what they do best, which is treat sicker people and prevent a potential public health crisis from inundating emergency rooms after a disaster. So it's interesting to me that disaster medicine is a bit far afield from nephrology. I have learned things about disaster medicine that I never anticipated I would learn when I graduated fellowship in nephrology. But it's just kind of the situation of you being where you are and recognizing that we've had a significant number of hurricanes and disasters, man-made and natural, in our state and throughout the country. And the incident that happened after Katrina and Rita exposed really the weakness in the safety net of healthcare in our country. So we decided that we weren't going to be a victim anymore. We were going to make sure that not if, but when, because we know it's just a matter of time for another disaster to come along. When these disasters come along, we are going to be prepared, at least on a local level, because we used to say that all disasters, you know, you need to be prepared for 24 to 48 hours, and we learned that you really need to be prepared for five to seven days. And this is that stopgap solution to give local communities the ability to provide health care for themselves and their communities in the immediate aftermath of a disaster. Describe your day job at the Our Lady of Lourdes Regional Medical Center. I'd love to hear some more about that. Absolutely. I'm currently the chief medical officer for Our Lady of Lourdes Regional Medical Center, and, and I anticipate that it's similar to many of the healthcare providers that you have listening on your program in terms of a traditional role, Vice President of Medical Affairs, Chief Medical Officer. My role is kind of twofold. It's the physician voice to the administration from med staff in conjunction with the chief of staff, as well as the physician voice on administration when we have healthcare issues that come up, helping to ensure that the patients and the healthcare needs of the hospital and the community remain forefront in everything we do. In my spare time, I also am a private practice nephrologist with a large group here in Lafayette. I have a private clinic as well as uh, hospital patients and a dialysis center. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Voices from American Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Gary Epstein, and joining me today from Lafayette, Louisiana, is the incoming president of the Louisiana State Medical Society and nephrologist, Anthony Andy Blaylock. Continuing on, Dr. Blaylock, why did you become a nephrologist in the first place, and what was there about this particular specialty that attracted you? That's interesting. I went into medical school really thinking I was going to do cardiology, and when I got to Having to choose a residency program, internal medicine certainly made the most sense to me as a precursor to that and selected a residency program here in Lafayette. The head of our program is a nephrologist, in fact, is now my partner, 
and we did morning report every morning. And after spending three years learning things from a kidney basis and learning all of the things that go into that from electrolytes to the eccentricities of fluid management and dialysis, it really is one of those things that made the most sense to me that it was something that I was always interested in. And that's, I think, typical with a lot of people. If you ask how people end up getting involved in the specialty they end up choosing, it tends to be a specialty that they end up having someone along the way that provides them a very positive educational experience, and they tend to gravitate toward that area. You're a partner with the Acadiana Renal Physicians in Lafayette. Is there a routine to this practice? Sure. We have 10 nephrologists in our group. Our service area is a significantly large service area of about 100 miles in diameter, and we pull people. I have patients that come in as far away as Texas and one even that comes in from Mexico. But our typical service area is about that 100-mile area. We cover at any one time about 10 hospitals and have several nurse practitioner extenders that assist us with doing that. Typical workday, we all take turns rounding, taking call, with each of us having at least one day of clinic in the outpatient setting as well. Can you actually see disparities of care within your service area? You know, I don't see disparities of care. I see disparities of access. And that is one of the things that drew me into the role of organized medicine and made me want to step forward to become the president for the Louisiana State Medical Society is the ongoing crisis that we've got, particularly among the Medicaid population, of just a frank lack of access of more and more providers who simply cannot afford to continue taking care of patients because of the ongoing cuts to reimbursement. When we talk about disparity of care, it it really boils down to the fact that my patients that need to be seen by sometimes a primary care doctor, frequently by specialists, simply cannot get in to see those physicians on a routine and predictable basis. You're about to become the youngest physician to serve as the president of the Louisiana State Medical Society. Congratulations on that. What are some of the issues that you hope to be able to address in this new role? We certainly have a multitude of things that we've got to address, both at the state and at the federal level. The new burdens of healthcare reform are going to be taking effect, and the initial effects are really going to start being felt significantly during my watch. The increased cost and the increased maintenance of quality and monitoring programs, the increased utilization of computerization are certainly going to be major issues that physicians are going to have to deal with. We have this recognition now, I think, that's burgeoning within the medical community that everything that we do is going to be monitored. And from the hospital community, we've long been used to the fact that multiple third-party payers from Medicare to private insurances examine what we do in terms of the quality of treatment that we provide. This has now and will continue to go down to the individual provider level, and a lot of physicians don't understand that this information in the private payer databases is already available and will soon be available on on the federal databases. And 
in many aspects, it has helped the physicians become better partners with the hospitals, I believe, to improve the healthcare quality of the environment. They recognize that they've got a stake in ensuring that the hospitalized patient, their patients, receive the highest quality of care while they're in the hospital. So as you know, this program is called Voices from American Medicine, and we've had such a terrific discussion so far today. In closing, are there any thoughts or impressions you'd like to share in terms of your voice with our physician audience and the nation's physicians? Yeah, let me restate something that I had said earlier, just expand upon it. There are a great number of changes that are coming forward from what has happened in healthcare reform. Some of them are positive. Many of them are going to significantly change how we practice. And I have seen in our community, in our state, in our country, that more and more physicians have resigned themselves to this fate. And the major call to arms, I guess, that I would issue to physicians across the country is these changes are going to happen with us or without us. And one of the things that I have asked locally across the state and physicians across the country is we need doctors at the table. We need to make sure that the changes that are being made are being done with some type of accountability and some type of real attempt at improving quality without sacrificing the quality of the care that we're delivering to our patients. The only way that's going to happen is if we have physicians at the table that are engaged in the process with ensuring that this is going to go forward in a positive direction. You know, some of these changes are things that as physicians would not necessarily ask for, but we have a, a reality in terms of what the quality measures are, what the performance and safety measures are, and there can be some good that comes out of this. In order for that there to be good that comes out of this, we've got to have physicians at the table making sure that the measures and the things that we implement are really going to improve the quality of the health care of our patients. I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Anthony Andy Blaylock, a nephrologist with Acadiana Renal Physicians in Lafayette, Louisiana, and the incoming president of the Louisiana State Medical Society. I'd also like to thank the Louisiana Medical Society for nominating Dr. Blaylock to speak with us today. Dr. Blaylock, thanks so much again for being a guest on Voices from American Medicine. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Voices from American Medicine on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals, featuring perspectives, challenges, and triumphs from physicians currently in practice on the front lines of healthcare. Voices from American Medicine is hosted by Gary Epstein.